Have you come to lift him up? Let's put our hands together to give him praise, church. Let's glorify the Lord. Lord, we lift you up. We welcome you to have your way, Lord. Hallelujah. Merciful God, we lift you and magnify you. 
Hallelujah. Let's just bless the Lord together, church. He is worthy. He is worthy today, church. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, be the center of it all. Jesus, be the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it'll always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, nothing else matters. And nothing in this world will do. And Jesus, you're the
Here to give 
Amen. Let's give this praise team and musicians a hand this morning. Good, good job, guys. Thank you. So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. So good to see our, I see some first-time visitors here today, guests today. Thank you for being with us. It's our honor to have you here at Gap Hill Church of God. It's my prayer that by the close of this service that you leave saying it was so good to be in the house of the Lord. How many of you are glad to be here today? How many of you are glad you know Jesus today? You're saved. Hallelujah. Turn it to me. Give me that money. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's go to Genesis chapter 37 if we could. And I want to do verse 18 through 20 this morning is what we're going to be looking at. The Bible said, we're talking about Joseph today. Cut it down just a little. But they saw him in the distance and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. That's good. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. I want you to grab that little phrase there. Here comes that dreamer. So come now, let's kill him. It's pretty bad when your brothers want to kill you. Now, I've had some people get mad with me, but my own sister, I hope she hasn't wanted to kill me. I'll have to ask her today. Maybe she'll say yes. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or wells and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So I, I just want to try today for just a few minutes. I'm not going to hold you too long. I want to get right to the point. I want to talk on here comes that dreamer. It has been said that a man is never old until regrets take place of his dreams. It is said that a man is never old until regrets take the place of his dream. You remember a man by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. that rallied the civil rights movement behind one clarion call and it was this, I have a dream. Envisioning what other people could not see, but yet he believed that the impossible would be made possible. When we use the word dream, we think of it in a variety of ways. When we think of it, we think of a dream of uh, a dream in the night. It's kind of whenever we eat that, that quesadilla or chili relano uh, for supper and it, it doesn't settle well and we have dreams that we know not of. It is when you take the melatonin gummy, and trust me, I promise you this, the melatonin gummies, they're going to give you some, some wild dreams. As a matter of fact, I took one last night and didn't sleep half the night. I don't feel like, uh, but, but I took one. I had some of the weirdest dreams, man, I'm telling you, and I'm not even going to share them with you. They're so weird, all right? But it's because of that melatonin gummy, that natural sleep aid. So what I'm telling you, there's times that we have dreams. So there's physical dreams, and everybody knows what that is. But today, I'm, I'm not wanting to talk about your dreams that you've been having at night. I want to talk about dreams that are visions. I want to talk about goals. I want to talk about your aspirations. That's what your dream is. And so I want to ask somebody today, what is your dream? What is your aspiration? Now, now, if you can't automatically grab something that you're working towards, then you're the person I'm talking to today. Because I want to know, what do you envision for your life? What, what do you hope for? What do you long for? Where do you see yourself in five years from right here today? Well, what do you have a goal to do ten years from today? If you don't have anything to dream about, then you don't have anything worth living for. So it is so important that we always keep a dream, an aspiration, something in front of us that keeps us from settling in the status quo, but something that is pushing us to always go to a better place, a higher place. You may read in Proverbs 23, 7, our dreams determine the quality of our lives. It is in Proverbs 23, 7, the Bible said, as he thinks in his heart, 
so is he. There's another, without a dream for our lives, we just drift aimlessly through life as if we don't know what to do. We go from one circumstance to the other circumstance, just living life aimlessly. Without a dream, we lack the master plan for which God built us to perform in our life, for the, for the calling and the purpose of our lives. See, Proverbs 29, 18, the wisest man reminds us of something. He says that where there is no vision, there the people are going to perish. So if you ever stop dreaming, then you're going to die. And I want somebody to understand today, your hopes and your dreams, your aspirations, if the church loses its focus, if we lose our focal point that it's about souls, if we lose the focal point that we're here to bear one another's burdens, that we're here to help each other make it to heaven, we're here to give an encouraging word, if we lose that, then we lose our vision and we lose our vision guess what happens even to the church the church begins to die we it happens to individuals they lose their vision they lose their dream they lose and wonder aimlessly wondering what their purpose is and they die and it happens to churches God help us to never quit dreaming but on the other hand when we possess a dream in our lives a dream that's inspired not by ourselves but by God and we live with the plan that one day we're going to attain it. Each day, every decision that we make is going to fit into a larger plan so that this dream that we have can become reality. God gives us dream. God gives us visions for our life. There are God-inspired visions. It's in Joel chapter 2 and verse 28 and 29 that lets us know that God can make you dream again. For He said in the last days, I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your young men are going to see visions and your old men are going to dream dreams. God is wanting us to know that if you've lost your vision today, if you've lost your heart hope for tomorrow, if you've lost your heart that you're going to become the person that you thought you would become one day and you've lost heart of that and you don't see it happening, this pastor has come today to tell you it is time for you not to give up on your dream. It is time for you to start dreaming again because God has you here for a reason. You got to keep that dream in front of you, that vision, that aspiration. And one of the best loved personalities in all the Bible and, uh, is, is a young man by the name of Joseph. In our text, what we're reading here, most people say that Joseph was around 17 years of age. Now, as children, we remember Joseph. I remember my Sunday school teacher teaching me that he was the guy that got the, many, the coat of many colors. Any, any of y'all remember that in Sunday school? So we know him as a man that had a dream in his heart. It was a dream from God that would shape his destiny even from a young man. I'm going to give you a quick synopsis. I didn't read it for time's sake. He's around 17 years old. He's the favorite son of Jacob who had 12 sons and he's the favorite. It's always good when you're the favorite kid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He brought a bad report to his brothers or from his of his brothers to his father. He has two dreams during the night. In dream number one, he sees sheaves of grain and his sheaf rose up. Their sheaves bowed down to his sheep. In dream number two, the sun, the moon, and eleven stars, that's his father, his mother, and his eleven brothers were bowing down to him. When he shared his dream with his family, they resented him. A matter of fact, the Bible said that his father rebuked him for the dream. 
What an arrogant son you are. How could you believe that your mother and I are going to bow down to you? Let me tell you something. If you're excited about your dream today, don't expect anybody else to be as excited as you are about it. Because sometimes you can have a dream and even your own parents, even your own parents may doubt your dream. Your friends won't be as excited about your dream as you are. But see, God didn't put this dream in their heart. He put it in your heart. So bless God, you should be excited about what God has planted in your life. The seed of what you are going to become. So eventually, his other brothers, excluding Benjamin, who was later, who was the youngest and later born, they sold Joseph into slavery. A wandering band of Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt, sold him to a man by the name of Potiphar. Everything kind of goes downhill for a while from there. But in Egypt, it is where his dream is going to become a reality. Now this is an oxymoron because Egypt represents the world. When we say, you remember we used to sing that song, I'm living in Canaan land, Egypt behind. Egypt represents everything bad. It represents the past person. So we want to go to Canaan land. Isn't it amazing that he found himself in the middle of Egypt? But that is where God was going to let his dream come to fruition. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what kind of world we're living in. Don't ever give up on your dream. Because even when you're in a barren land, God can make your dream spring forth. Hallelujah. When everybody thinks it's dead. In a world that we're living in, you think it's not possible now. Maybe years ago, but now in the America we live in, it will never happen. You've got to dream again, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to give you three simple points. Are you ready? Number one. Joseph dreamed while he was young. You know, we got kids in here today, so I'm fixing to speak to you. I'm going to show you the importance of your youth. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I want you to see this. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. That means when you're young and think you can do everything and get away with everything. He says, don't get too excited and forget about the God that made you, that created you, that formed you. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say... Life is not pleasant anymore. Let's go to 1 Timothy 4.12. Remember him in your youth. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Did y'all hear that young people? Don't let anybody think less of you because you are young. I was reading of Josiah the other day that became a king at 7 years old. Can y'all imagine if we put a 7 year old in the White House? I know some of you liberals said we'd be better off, but I'm not going to hear that. <laughs> Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers. Even as a child, in what you say and how you live, your love, your faith, and your purity. He brings us to the recollection of, of what we see in the life of Joseph here. You have to dream while you're young. It has been said that most people receive Christ before 18. It is said that most people before 21 years of, old, of age, if they are going to become a preacher, most do it before the age of 21. You are still young. These people dreamed while they were young. Pascal wrote a great work at 16. He died at 37. What if he'd have waited till later in his life? He'd have never made it, would he? Raphael painted his works at a very young age. He died also at 37 years old. Thank God he started while he was young. Alfred Tennyson wrote his first volume, his first book, at the age of 18 years old. Victor Hugo wrote a tragedy at 15. At 17, he received prizes at a poetry competition and earned the title Master. The 
before he turned 20 years of age. John Calvin, the great preacher, joined the Reformation at 21. At 27, he wrote a, a devout, I mean, it was an amazing writing, The Institutes of Christian Religion. Isaac Newton is only 24 years old when he formulated what we know as the law of gravity. If I drop this, it'll fall. Gravity takes four. And he made some of his greatest discoveries before he reached the age of 25. Charles Dickens, some of you've heard of Charles Dickens in his writing, wrote the Pickwick Papers at 24, wrote Oliver Twist at 25. Charles Spurgeon, who was one of the most powerful preachers that we will ever know of in the, in the early 20s, he was in his early 20s when he started preaching and God used him greatly. It was by the age of 25 that this young man was pastoring the largest church in all of London. God used him while he was young. There is something about allowing God to give you a dream and allow you to dream big while you're young. You don't, listen, I get so sick of people saying, well, we got to wait and let them mature. We got their, they, they don't know what they want yet. Listen, I'm telling you, pastor said, dream while you're young. I don't care if you're this tall or if you're this tall. I don't care if you're six. I don't care if you're 18. I'm telling you, now is the time to dream. You don't need to wait any longer. Jesus may come back tomorrow. Dream while you're young. And don't be intimidated because you're not older. God has used the many of Joseph's at the age of 17 years old. Now I want to show you something about Jonathan Edwards. He's the guy that preached that sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. People were literally crawling over the pews. History tells us to come to the altar because they claim that they could feel the fire of hell at their feet while he was preaching. And they were trying to escape the heat. And Jonathan Edwards didn't do like me. He didn't jump around that like a crazy man. He just read his sermon out loud. But so much power and anointing and authority. He preached those words, read those words. He made five res resolutions in his youth. And I, I got them written down here. Five resolutions. And he said that by these resolutions, he was going to guide the rest of his life. He was a young man when he did it. And it, there's so much wisdom. Number one, he said to live with all my life while I do live. That means I'm not going to miss a moment. I am going to enjoy every day. Number two, to never lose one moment of time, but improve it in the most profitable way that I possibly can. Is there anybody in here that says, Pastor, I've wasted years? Come on, somebody. Is there anybody in here that says, I wish I'd have done that ten years ago? There's some of you sitting in this building that are older right now and you are saying to yourself, I had a dream when I was a young woman. I had a dream when I was a young man and I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that and all you're doing is living in regret of what you could have been and what you could have done. Oh God, help us today. Number three, he said never to do anything that I should despise or think meanly of in another. That's kind of that treat others as you... Treat yourself clause. That's a good clause for all of us to live by. Number four, he said, never will I do anything out of revenge. Oh, God, help us all, Jesus. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever got somebody back? Jonathan never said, as a young man, I'm going to make it a point that I'm not going to go after somebody only because of revenge. Number five and last, he said, never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. My God Almighty, seize the moment while you're young. Don't wait. Listen, I'm telling you, my God, somebody ought to shout amen. Listen, listen, let, let me show you something here. 
Somebody says something. They said, just, you know, I hear people all the time. They say, well, just let them youngins do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm going to show you something here. I'm going to show you something about that. Dreams are not only for the younger. Dreams are for the older. I want you to understand today that you are not a washed up child of God that had a vision as a kid to do something and it's over. I've come to tell you to every elder that's listening to my voice today. If God didn't want you here, you would already be gone. If God didn't have something in His plan for you to do, then guess what? He would take you out of existence because He wouldn't need you here anymore. So if you are sitting around the sound of my voice today, God wants to use you. So when I hear people say, well, just let them youngins do it. Let them young people do it. Let me tell you something. I'm afraid that so often as we age, we begin to quit dreaming. We look back and say, well, if I was 25, I would do it. But God is speaking to us today. One man wrote it this way in Joel 2.28. And I love that scripture. It states this. It said your young men are going to have visions. But it said your old men or women, you, they are going to dream dreams again. Don't you love that? Oh, God help me today. One man wrote it this way, and some of you may be able to relate to this. I haven't quite got there yet. Thank you, Jesus. He said, and I quote, I get up each morning, dust off my wits, pick up the paper, and read the obits. If my name is missing, I know I'm not dead, so I eat a good breakfast, and then I just go back to bed. <laughs> Have any of you reached that stage yet? Sounds dark and dismal to me. Hallelujah to God. See, you're younger than you think. I want to say that to somebody. You are younger than you. Some of you that are older ought to shout, Amen, Pastor. You are younger than you think. Let me show you something. Moses was 80 years old when God called him to deliver Israel. He could have called him when he was 18 years old. He was already in Egypt as a young man. But God took him to a desert. His father-in-law Jethro's sheep. And he took him out there and trained him. He was 80 years old before God had him ready. And put the dream of God in his heart. Even though he was old. Even though he felt incompetent. Even though he felt like he couldn't speak in front of people. God said you are the man for the job. 80 years old. Michelangelo was writing poetry and, and designing buildings up to the time of his death at 90 years old. History tells us that he painted the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel on his back. On a scaffold at nearly 90 years old. Can y'all imagine that? Now I'm a 37 year old man. I, I don't even know if I want to try that one. That's a high ceiling. Oh, Michelangelo, nearly 90 years old, and a beautiful painting there. And, and he's sitting here and he's painting on his back, 90 years old. Don't tell me that the dream of God can't come in your heart. Van Gertha wrote a part of the Faust at 60 years old. He did not finish it until he was 82. Thank God he didn't quit. Webster, who wrote the monumental dictionary that I look up all the time. Number one, because I don't know how to pronounce words. And so I go to Webster and he tells me how. 
I got in my room the original Webster. Man, I love that thing. He even includes scripture verses in there. He was a godly man. Noah Webster wrote the monumental dictionary that we use in schools all across America at the age of 70 years old. Old Gilby, the translator of Homer and Virgil, was acquainted with Latin and Greek or wasn't acquainted with it until he passed 50 years old. Tennyson, the young man that wrote his first volume at 18 years old, wrote the famous piece Ava Maria at 85 years old. John Wesley would preach for 40 years, produce 400 books. He knew 10 different languages. The great John Wesley. Yeah, the horseback riding preacher, John and Charles. The circuit rider preachers is what they called them. When he was 86 years old, the only complaint that he had was that he was unable to preach more than twice a day. Don't tell me that you are too old to dream again. I was reading the other day of a man, he was 76 years old. He went back to get his doctorate degree at 76 years old. Walked across the stage. Everybody goes crazy. Because a 76 year old man decided he was going to finish the education he never did as a young man. And they went wild. 76. Got his doctorate degree. Listen, you are never too young to dream. And you are never too young or old to dream either. Maybe that's why God in Joel chapter 2. He brought the young and the old together. And he said we don't need a church full of young people that are dreaming for vision and churches moving forward. We need some old people that will come with them. That is why when the Holy Spirit is poured out in the last day we not only see the young people having a vision of what God's going to do, but we see young people and old people alike and the old people come on board and say, hey I'm going to dream with you. I'm going to believe God with you. We're going to see God move again. you got to dream. So Joseph started when he was young. So for those that didn't, I'm telling you today that you can start now. But the thing about Joseph that makes him so special is he has a God-given dream. He didn't just make this up. The two dreams that he has confirmed that the dreams came from God. And they were guaranteed by God's promise. There were two dreams. It is what the Bible said in the New Testament. It said at the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will have a confirmation. Two dreams. God showed him not once. He shows him twice. And he says, I'm going to fulfill. Look at Genesis 41, 32. I want you to see this verse. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. It didn't happen once. It happened twice. And God, sure enough, is going to bring them the past in His story. You see, sometimes we have self-contrived dreams. We try to take God out of our plans and we try to make our own plans. Thank God that Joseph is a young man that's got enough brains to realize if I'm going to achieve, I'm going to have to make sure the dream that I have inside of me that I'm achieving, the aspiration I'm running toward, i got to make sure it's not a dream that I had last night because of what I ate. I need to make sure that the dream came from from God. For some of you in here, you're chasing dreams that God didn't give you. Come on, somebody. That's not the dream you need. You need God to give you a dream. Because what God gives us is going to work out. What God gives us, He's already told us right there. That the things that God puts in our heart, the dreams that He plants in our heart, He will bring them to pass. He's not going to bring to pass every dream that I think up. But if God gives me the dream. See much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore stand in awe of God is what Ecclesiastes said. 
self-contrived dreams. The problem with them is they're self-serving. And when Joseph told them the dream, do you know what they thought it was? They thought it was self-contrived. They thought it was self-serving because the way that they reacted to it. To them, it demonstrated the height of his arrogance. Who do you think you are? The younger brother trying to make us bow. Even his father. I mean, come on, somebody. I mean, if, you're, if my son comes to me today and talk about, Daddy, you're going to bow down to me. <laughs> Let's just put this thing into perspective, folks. Yeah, it, it ain't happening, all right? God's going to have to give me that dream, too. So I can understand Joseph as he gets angry. And who do you think you are, son? Boy? Who do you think you are? Like Sanford, you say, I brought you in this world, and I'll take you out of this world. I mean, that's the way that he's feeling. His father, who do you think you are? How do you think his mother feels? But these are not self-contrived dreams. These are God-given dreams. And what mama and daddy and what the brothers don't understand is the reason that God has given Joseph the dream is so that they can live when everybody else is dying in the middle of a famine. My God Almighty, listen to me somebody. Oh, God Almighty, Joseph didn't make it up. God does not promise to bless my dreams. He promises to bless the dreams that he imparts on me. So how to have a God dream for your life? Well, you look at your talents. You look at your gifts. You look at what God has blessed you with. And based on that, you begin to dream. Also, we must be open to God as He leads us in the areas of ministry, things that we may not be comfortable doing. According to Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the Bible says that God has given us gifts and He has given us callings. And He says to us that they are irrevocable. Do you get that? What that means, when I was six years old, Probably before I was six years old, my mother bought me a little speaker, and uh, it's about yay hides. Probably why I can't hear today, and I'm always telling them, give me more monitor, give me more monitor. You know, I'm not saying that now. I'm just saying, Dylan's not ready to go. Maybe because I just, I would turn that thing just as loud as that baby would go. I would grab my corded mic. I would run, I'm just a little five, six-year-old kid. I'd run around my living room. I'd jump on top of our couches. I'd preach, just scream, and I'd jump off, and I'd run. My daddy'd come in the house, and I'd just keep on preaching. My mama come in the house, I'd just keep on preaching. I would, listen, I've got recordings. I used to preach for two hours straight. Don't even take a water break. I'm weak now. I'm like five minutes, I'm gulping because my throat's so dry. Back then, six-year-old man, I preached for hours, wouldn't even miss a beat, record myself, listen to it again, think, man, you're good. Yeah, six years old. But what I understood was this. At the age of nine years old, I understood that what I perceived as a talent, what I perceived as a gift, God perceived as a calling. And there's a huge difference. Because when God calls you to do something, you don't say, oh God, sorry, we can't, that, uh, uh, that ain't my aspiration, that ain't my dream, I ain't doing it. Because God tells us that the call of God is without repentance, meaning it is irrevocable. You can't, God can't put a dream in your heart and you just remove the dream and say, God, I'm not interested in that right now. That's wrong. 
When God puts it in you, you'll be like Jonah. You will run around chasing after everything in this world to satisfy you. Running from the call of God saying, I can't do this. I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to teach. I'm not going to do this ministry. I'm not going to go to this new job that you're calling me to go. I'm just not going to do it. But guess what happened to Jonah? He runs towards Tarshish instead of Nineveh. But there's a well that swallows him, spits him up. And by the time God got finished with him three days in the, in the stomach of a, of a whale three days later he's jumping out of there after he gets vomited up before his feet hit the beach sand he's already running towards Nineveh listen God knows how to get you to do his will so, so, so it would be better for you today just to understand that God has called you to do something and if God has called you to do something honey you might as well quit running I don't care how little you are I don't care how old you are it is time for you to grab it and say God if you gave it to me I believe that I can dream again I got a dream that the impossible will become possible hallelujah it can't be changed once God puts it in you. It's God-given. Now I want to close with this one. Are you ready? I'm just give me a few more minutes. Joseph knew how to make his dreams become reality. It takes faith. It takes patience to turn dreams into reality. We trust God is what faith means. And then patience means we simply wait on God. Can you imagine the faith that it took for a young 17? Please understand, he's 17 years old. He's not fully developed. I know some of you kids out there, you seven, and you think you already know more than your mom and daddy do. I know, I know. But you don't. I promise you, you don't. Because I used to think the same thing, and I figured out the hard way. They were right, I was wrong. But can you imagine the faith that it took for a 17-year-old boy to go and to tell his family, share the dream that God had put in his heart with them? He wanted them to accept it. He's 17. He knows the possibility of it being misunderstood. He understands, but he deeply believes. This is not self-contrived. I'm not doing this for my own glory. I'm not doing this because I want them to bow down to me. I want revenge on my brothers. It's not about that. The reason I'm doing this is because I believe that God has showed me this vision. He's put it in my heart. You have to keep the faith in the face of misunderstanding. Because sometimes when you get ready to do your dream, and you're, the God-given dream even inside of you, listen, there's going to be somebody or somebody's that's going to rise up against you and try to kill the dream. You cannot allow other people. I love that little baby, Doug. She's watching me the whole time. I love it. You cannot allow people to kill your God-given dream. I don't care what they say. I don't care how much they discourage you. I don't care if they say, oh, you, you don't have the talent to do that. You don't have the gift to do that. Well, let me tell you something. If God calls you to do something, God's going to give you the gift you need. He's going to give you the ability you need. Moses, don't worry about talking. I can open your mouth. My God, if I can let people on the day of Pentecost speak in unknown tongues in different languages that they didn't had never learned and they were ordinary men, don't you think that I can take things that are impossible and I can make them possible. That is why I said with God, all things are possible. Somebody ought to give God praise right now. Believe in your dream. When no one else understands your dream. When nobody else supports you, you've got to be willing to believe anyhow. Even Jesus, his own family, thought he had lost his mind. Whenever you think about it, here we go. Jesus, just a young fellow. He's just a lad, teenager. And all of a sudden, his mom and daddy lose him. You know the story. It's one of the only really pictures we see of Jesus as a young kid. 
And whenever she finds him, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? You scold his butt. That's what she, what are you doing? To which he responds, lady, I'm just doing the father's business. What? She didn't understand. She didn't get it. Read your Bible. She doesn't understand it. But yet he is teaching in a temple full of leaders of Pharisees and Sadducees and the lawyers of their day. And they are confounded by the wisdom of a kid. But she didn't understand it. She didn't understand what was going on. She didn't see what God had put inside of Jesus. That he was just not an ordinary boy. He was the son of God. They thought he was crazy. Not until he resurrected as the Lord of all. And she fell down at his feet and began to worship him. Not as her son, but as her Savior. It is there that his family and his disciples truly begin to follow him. There's times that God's going to put something in you. And somebody's going to say, that's crazy. And maybe it is. But when God gets finished working out all the details, Joseph. It's going to make perfect sense. I'll leave you with this story. Lao Chow was a crippled Chinese woman. She opened a home for cripples in China. I love that. It was at a site on a pond where crippled children were once thrown to their, their deaths. What a Nazi moron, right? In that small room, her faith worked through her love to save all of these children. She simply inspired others. And as a result, she received finances by which she was able to help those in desperate need. Think of it. A cripple that is setting up a home. For cripples. She said, I quote, my religion is to think the unthinkable thought, to speak the ineffable word, to do the impossible deed, and to walk the impossible way. At her funeral, she was described as one who possessed the miracle of a healthy mind and that she always had a glowing face. What happened to Lao Chow is that she had a dream from God. And even though she was a cripple and many people thought it wasn't possible, she allowed that dream to give birth in her soul. And it became reality. The promises of God became reality. And a crippled lady ministered to crippled children. Nobody thought it possible. But when God puts a dream in your heart, He can make it possible. Places, and I'm closing. So we got faith, and I close with this. We have patience. The word patient means to be long-suffering, to be undismayed by difficulties. Patience is, fat, is faith in the fact of difficulties. That means it doesn't matter what goes on, you have the patience to trust that God is in the details. This young man named Joseph, he sees God at work in even the most adverse events in his life. He sold at 17 the Ishmaelites. What in the world is God doing? He gets to Potiphar's house. He thinks he hasn't made because he's ruling the house for a while. But then there's an accusation from Potiphar's wife that just messes everything up. It's a lie. But he gets thrown in prison. He stays there for several years. He's got a butter, but, baker and a butler. And he says, oh, God gave me a dream last night. Tell me the dream. Tell me the dream. To which he begins to prophesy. It's a God-given ability. It's a God-given gift. He says, well, let me tell you what it means for you. Let me tell you what it means for you. To one, he says, you're going to live. To the other, he says, you're going to die. To the one that's going to live. He says, when you get out of here, would you please remember me? To which he forgets. <laughs> Ever have people forget about you? You ever have people tell you they're going to take you with them? And then when they get there, they just step on you on the way up? It's basically what happened. But God wasn't ready yet. But God sends a famine. And he's patient. And he's waiting. 
And he's trusting. And even though he's near 30, around 30 years old, it's been 13 years since a 17-year-old boy had a God-given dream, a couple dreams, and he don't know what they mean. He doesn't understand the details, but he knows that God put it in his heart. He didn't do it for himself. It's not going to benefit him at all. It's for the kingdom of God. If, if God would just make it come to fruition. 13 years later. Whew, God Almighty. See, there's some of you in here, you've been waiting for it. You've been waiting for God to give you the answer. You've been waiting on God to open up the door. You think God's giving you a dream. You've got an aspiration. You've got a vision. You've got a goal. You've not yet attained it. God wants me to tell you, sometimes it takes days. Sometimes it takes months. And yes, sometimes it even takes years. But if you have faith, and if you have patience and willing to trust and wait on God, it will come to pass. So now all of a sudden, Pharaoh the king has a dream. To which the guy that lives remembers, oh my goodness. The butler who's serving him his wine says to him, King, you, you had a dream last night. Well, I just remember there's this guy named Joseph in God's perfect timing. Bring that guy to me. The sorcerers can't do it. His magic guys can't do it. But when Joseph walks in, all of a sudden that God-given dream comes to fruition. And God begins to speak through his mouth. And he begins to give utters and says to the king, there's going to be a famine. But this is how God's going to bring you through it. There's hope. There's light at the end of a tunnel. I've got a word of encouragement. To which the king looks at him and says, well, hey, I appreciate it, young man. What do you think the king should do? Well, I think, according to God, you should set up a man that's going to be over this. Joseph you're that man. Who is this guy? He hasn't even got out of the jumpsuit yet. Some of you will get that when you get home. He's just got out of prison. He got brought to the king from prison. No questions asked. You're going to be not only the guy over this little thing we got going here. You are going to be the second in control. A matter of fact, Joseph, let me tell you something. You are going to be the guy in Egypt, a Jewish boy. This is unheard of. This is impossible. But when God puts a dream in you, I tell you, the impossible becomes possible. And now a Jew, every other Egyptian is going to come to you when they have a question. And they're going to come to you. They don't even have to come to me. I'm putting you in charge. To which you know the story, perseverance. He just keeps pushing. 13 years in prison before his dream reaches fulfillment. You were born into this. You were born with this dream. Just have patience. Have faith. Watch God make your dream a reality. And so all of a sudden, here comes his brother. Here comes his father. Exactly what God put in his heart. Daddy bows down and worships. It's really not worship. I would call it more honor. Reverence, what you do for a king. You'll see them sometimes bow. They still have cultures that do that. In our nation, we kind of salute the president. That's, that's our way of doing it. Back then, they would, bow them, they would bow themselves to the ground. And he watches. As daddy, everybody, all the brothers, they bow down out of respect for him. They don't even know who he is. Woo. Now, he could have had revenge. He could have treated them poorly. But God, what did he tell them? What did he tell them? Look at Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me. But God intended it. Somebody say that next word. 
Oh, he intended the, the selling to, the, to that Ishmaelite band. He intended me going to Potiphar's house. He intended for that girl to make a lie on me, a false accusation which would land me in prison. He intended for me to interpret a butler in a baker's dream. He intended for me to go to the king and interpret his dream. Here I am. I have arrived because I trusted that God was going to make it all possible. But God intended it all for good. Somebody needs to grab that. So when you got a God-given dream, it doesn't mean there's not going to be some bad that's going to come along. But what you need to see in this verse is that it's God's intentions to turn every bit of that bad to good. That bad relationship to good. That horrible job you got to a promotion and better. He's made it all for good. He brought me to this position. So that I could save the lives, not only of you, but of many people. Alright, go back to my title screen. i got to quit. So here he is, 17 years old. He's walking up. And the only thing that his brothers could say is, Here comes that dreamer. We're going to kill him. And we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Well, they saw it all right, didn't they? When people see me coming... I want them to say, here comes that dreamer. Here comes that guy that is crazy enough to believe that God can take impossible situations. I need somebody to grab that because I feel that today. Because you're looking at impossible situations. But here comes that dreamer. Because every time somebody's tried to knock him down, he wipes off the dust and he gets back up. Every time that somebody tells him he can't, he gets back up and says, through God I can do all things. Through Christ. Here comes that dreamer. He's crazy enough. Are you crazy enough to believe that God can take your impossible dream and make it possible. If you are, shout amen. Let's stand. Keep on. Get ready to sing, Brian. I want to pray over us this morning. And then we'll do our dismissal. Listen to me. Kids, kids. I got kids in here today. Listen to preacher. Listen, listen. If you've got a dream, go after your dream. Do you hear me? If you've got a dream, chase your dream. Chase it. There's kids that come from bad backgrounds. There's kids that their parents don't support them. I see it every day in the school system. I work in the school systems. I help in mentoring programs. I see broken kids. I see broken lives. The mamas and daddies, some of them left them, some of them really don't care. But if God's put a dream in their heart, my prayer today is that God would help them not to give up on their dreams. Father, today I want to thank you for this congregation. I want to thank you for your powerful word today. And today as I pray, not only over our young people, I pray over our kids today. Help them to get a dream in their heart, like I did. I had it. I had the gift, the talent, six years old, but I got the call at nine. A God-given dream of what I would become, what I would do. I'm doing it today. Thank you for that. Help us not to give up on our dreams, even if we're young. But I pray for those that are older today, that have kind of settled in till Jesus comes. I'm asking you to give them a purpose for living again. I'm asking you to put something in them, a passion that says, you know what, God's not finished with me yet either. I had a few aspirations I didn't see done when I was younger. I'm going to go after it again. 
I'm going to let God do it in my life. God's put it in me. I'm going to do it. I don't care how old I am. God, let us believe with you all things are possible today. With you all things.